Nobody comes back late at night anymore. They have more security. The government noticed that they were moving into new areas. That's when things started to get out of hand. They don't belong here. They're spending so much money to keep them here when they could be spending it on other things. At least they're keeping them separate from us. A lot of bad things started to happen. They must just go. I don't know where they go. They must just go. We're at the breaking point. People are living in fear. Why don't you just leave? How do your weapons work? I just want everyone watching this right now to learn from what has happened. Welcome to another episode of the BSR Show. We are the Black Series Rebels. With me, as always, is my boy, Stephen Ellis. Give me all the cat food cans you have, Alex. Give them all. Give me them all. <laughs> and joining us this week from the slums of District 9, it's Cisco Kid. It's the sweetie man. <laughs> and our special guest this week is... <laughs> Nick Gambarian from Bayside. How's it going, buddy? Oh, so good. I watched this movie twice in the last two days. I'm oh, pumped. man. So, <laughs> I mean, you heard the trailer. You know what we're doing. It's a midnight movie club. And this this week's summer movie is District 9. Now, this class of, for me, this is classified as a different kind of summer movie. This is like the summer sleeper hit where like it comes out. I think this came out in early August. Like the blockbuster summer is kind of starting to wind down and then all of a sudden it's just like have you seen this fucking movie district nine you gotta go to the theater and see this movie district nine and it just exploded nick do you remember your chemistry with the first time you saw district nine boy oh boy do i because it's a classic bayside story like yes. if we ever made a documentary the story is, would make it <laughs> so we're we're on warp tour in 2009 and um uh, we have two days off in the uh, Pacific Northwest. I want, I'm pretty certain it's Portland. So we have like a Monday, Tuesday off and we roll into town. Everyone's dying to see this movie. And we all decide since we have two days off, we're just going to be sitting on the bus in Portland or whatever. We all decide we want some, you know, some funny brownies, a mm -hmm. little 
little get zooted a little bit little at this point action. it's it's sort of the wild west it, the weed isn't a product yet yeah you know? yeah you, you know like somebody. Ed, edible is like that's a slot machine yeah yeah, yeah. at this time <laughs> exactly so boy did we win or lose depending on on how uh <laughs> so we had a friend who had a guy called the mustard man that was the drug guy the mustard man uh, we had a friend order a bunch of brownies i think it was like 20 brownies the mustard man charged us just about nothing for them and then when he was dropping them off he's like i hooked you guys up there's like an ounce in every single brownie we're like uh i don't think so man we gave you like 200 dollars. there's no way there's an ounce in every brownie get out of here so we get to a uh, mall, a nearby mall, as you do on a day off on tour. We park our bus at, at a mall just because there's food court and shit to do. So we head to the food court. We all eat a brownie and head into District 9. We're stoked. Before the movie even started, so I'm talking the trailers, mm -hmm. everybody's out of their mind high. And that is not how weed brownies work. Uh -uh. Like they do not work within 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's like maybe in an hour, two hours. Yeah. 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 Lucky. Exactly. In my experience, it's like halfway through the movie, then it hits you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So 10 minutes in <laughs> is like full force. Uh, what the fuck is going on? You know, I'm getting like dry oh. mouth, which I, at that point, I had, I, I don't really mess with weed that much to begin with. And, Definitely not in 2009. A little bit more now, but 2009, no way. This is probably like my third or fourth time ever eating weed. Um, so my mouth's super dry, which I equate to like being drunk. I'm like, I'm really thirsty. Let me go to like get, uh, go to concessions to get a giant thing of water. I could barely speak English. I don't know how I got water from, <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, could not barely speak English. I go and I, go to the bathroom and then I go back to the theater. I swing the door open and it looks like there's 1000 rows of seats. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I, am, I am never finding my seat. There is no way. <laughs> so I'm just like, so, so messed up. So somehow eventually I find my seat and thankfully I was sitting next to Jack who was the resident, like, kind of drug guy in our band you know like not like did it a lot but had definitely he, done he was the guy you're like is this are we cool yeah. he's like we're cool man yeah yeah Let's yeah. take a breath bro <laughs> yeah breath. yeah right. so this movie starts and you know as well as i do at this point of seeing in a seeing of seeing it a couple of times it's a very unique and weird movie it's but stressful I'm, it's yeah, a stressful movie stressful there's no actors that you recognize in it so it lent that lends it to like feeling more real and it's mm -hmm. also presented in a very real way um so the whole time my high as hell thought is like who are these people like what is going on is this real like i didn't i knew it was a movie but i'm like there's no actors in this movie that was my repeating thought I'm like where did they get these people so a couple of times i turned to jack i'm like dude i'm really messed up and he's just like yeah, me too. And that's a lot coming from him because he's he's the resident drug guy. So <laughs> by the time the movie ends, I am full on physically, besides mentally, full on physically tweaking. You guys could see me right now. I remember the lights coming up and I was like this. 
like <laughs> seriously like tweaking out <laughs> i still <laughs> i still had my like giant aquafina water bottle and like a only a dent in it yeah probably. yeah yeah. i don't even know how much I, <laughs> but to me that was my walking cane on the way back to the bus i held it in my hands like this and like could barely like make it back to the bus because it was just keeping me balanced right. i got back to the bus and i slept for two days straight no kidding like I got up maybe twice to like go to the bathroom, slept two days, played a warp tour show Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. High still Holy every time shit. I yeah, every time that I pooped smelled like weed. Saturday was the first day where I like, OK, I think I'm good. I'm not like every time it's I like shit, you were it's touching not. shit and you were yeah. like, why is this so soft? And I love yeah. this thing. It was I like was everything. high for a week. Yeah. We had a bunch of brownies left and we were like giving it to some people on Warp Tour, warning them that they were really strong. And like an hour later, we'd see like a merch guy just like weekend at Bernie's like, Ugh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, told you they were strong. The So the consensus is Jack says, seems to think that there was like they're laced with like angel dust or something. Really? There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't add up. You don't get high from in 10 minutes from a, a weed brownie, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, I could have had like some acid or some something. Like, some was up something, with <laughs> something. I mean, again, I'm I'm not a weed is as far as I dive. Yeah, into same. The, the stubs, substance I, I zone. Have, I've never done anything else. I have experienced the poop smelling like weed, though. Yeah, yeah. Ah. For, for five days. Uh, two wow, days, crazy. not five, but yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I have. Um. But, you know, like the whole time I was high, I was like, this movie's so fucking weird. Oh, my God. So the next time I watched it, not high, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's going to be weird. And I'm like, yeah, the movie's weird. Like, <laughs> really, like in a good oh, way, yeah. like very unique, which, you know, scores points for me. All right, Cisco, what was your chemistry the first time you saw District 9? I was trying to think about that, and I don't quite recall. I know that I saw it in the theater when it, it was out. Um, I remember being pretty stoked seeing the trailers and seeing that Peter Jackson had produced it. Um, I didn't know anything about Neil Blomkamp. I don't think anybody did. You know, it's just like, this is his first thing. I think uh, definitely first movie that he had done. Um, and I remember being blown away, just being like, what a unique voice this guy has, you know, and like really stoked to see what his, his career was going to turn out to be. But um, it's a movie that I watch kind of a lot. Actually, we were talking about this off, off, offline. And, um, it's been a while since I've watched it from beginning to end, but you know, throughout the years, it's been on one of the one or the other of the premium cable channels, and I'll always throw it on if I see it. Like I'm like, this is a movie that I love watching uh, at like midnight, and I'm just kind of like winding down, and I'll just kind of like wind through it because it's so fun. And um, yeah, so I've watched it a ton, but it was really cool to watch it from beginning to end today uh for the first time in a long time um and i just uh, i remember loving it as much as i always did so yeah it was it was a great it's a great movie right on steve what about you you remember your chemistry the first time you watched district nine this was definitely one of those movies that i remember when amber and i first started dating we were working together in fact cisco was working at the same company and we were right there at sunset and gower so we would oftentimes on a friday night or after work we'd just leave our cars parked on the lot and we'd walk down to the arc light and this is one of those movies that i had heard a lot on the online chatter and I, I remember going and want you know taking amber to see it but i wasn't expecting to walk out the way i did i i a lot of times these movies are really good, like 75%. But this is a movie that 
at first it, it, it kind of you're like it, it's intriguing like what what is the style with the, the the documentary style in any ways you know and eventually it turns into very cameron-esque and very sort of clearly inspired by movies of the the mid 80s when we talk about our terminator one and our robocops and our our alien and aliens but um the best feeling this is the best kind of movie where you know and a part of it has to do with the fact that you don't know who the actors are it, i just remember walking out just being 100 percent satisfied like just satisfied just just great and i and then it's the first blu-ray i ever owned hmm. um but i haven't watched it in at least five years hmm. at least and and watching it right you know today before c- coming in man I'm ready. What about you, Alex? I remember I was in my hometown visiting probably my girlfriend at the time. I was probably visiting my old high school buddies. And I was just starting to get to the age. I would have been, uh, it was, you said 2009 is when this came out, Nick? Yeah, August, August 2009. August of 2009. So I graduated in 2004. So... Uh, 19, 20, 21. I was, uh, or 22. Yeah, yeah, I was about 21. So like, I was just starting to get to the age where like, I liked all, like I saw everything. Like I was, <laughs> I was now in like that. I see it doesn't need to be something I'm excited for. I'm going to probably see it. If it's got good reviews, I'm going to see it in the theater. I knew nothing about it going in. I, I had seen the trailer. I was like, whatever, aliens, but I'm going to see this because it's got good reviews and it's a, it's like an action sci-fi. And because it's at the end of the summer, you're still like, I want to see a movie, but all the movies I wanted to see, I've already seen. So I'm going to try this new one, District 9. And... This is one of those. So on my letterbox, I don't leave reviews. I just leave a heart. If it's something while watching, I had a visceral experience. This movie was a visceral experience. I just remember going and you guys know this feeling, you know, when you feel like you're let in on a secret that not a lot of people have yet. That's how I felt about watching that this movie. I was like, none of my friends know what District 9 is. And I get to tell them like, hey, you guys got to go see District 9. And I'll go grab them and we'll see it the next day. This is like an Alex free repeater. It's like no matter what, he's going back the next day. Because <laughs> I was so kind of blown away by what I was seeing. Uh, like you, Steve, I don't think this was my first Blu-ray I ever owned. My first Blu-ray I ever owned was Talladega Nights came with my <laughs> PlayStation 3. Nice. <laughs> it was my first movie I had on my iPod video was district nine so when i went to watch it this last time i was like why does this look like shit (laughs) and i realized because it was old standard definition it hadn't upgraded so i had to go buy it for like 4.99 to get the 4k up res but uh like all of you guys this movie was just it's got uh adrenaline seems like a cheesy way to put it but it just has like it's got hormones pumping through yeah. this movie like it just like it's kind of like once it's even when it's not in the action parts of the movie it's fucking frenetic and you're yeah. stressed and you never feel like you're on balance you always are like where am i and what is going on yeah. almost the entire time you're very much thrust into this into vicus's point of view from start to finish but i, I timed it kind of like on my second viewing 
I think you're between between like 10 and 12 minutes before you're into the story that like doesn't let up. You're introduced mm-hmm. to him as like kind of like I I almost think like a Michael Scott like office idiot kind of guy, you know, like yeah, he's very nervous, doesn't know how to, you know, they're in that like documentary mode to start the movie, so like he doesn't really know when to look at the camera or look at the producer, or director, or whatever. And then 10, 12 minutes in, they're in District 9 knocking on doors. And you're just yeah. off to the races. <laughs> it's uh, it's structurally a wacky movie. Mm-hmm. Structurally, it's fucking wacky. Uh, yeah. I like to do a thing that Alex Rubens taught me when I think I know, like, oh, it's a structural moment of this movie. I pause it, and I want to see where it falls in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And this movie is fucking all over the place. <laughs> it's like, you're like, wait, hold on. What? Who? <laughs> like, you're trying yeah. to track it. Like, the midpoint... From what I remembered of this movie, the midpoint is like I thought happened 15, 20 minutes into the movie. It doesn't. <laughs> There's a lot of movie before you even like he even meets. What's his name? Christopher. Christopher Johnson. Christopher Johnson. Yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Like he doesn't meet Christopher Johnson really like really meet him until the mm-hmm. midpoint of this yeah. movie, which is insane because a lesser confident movie would be like, no, he's got to meet Christopher Johnson. He's got to be hanging with the aliens. And we got it. It's just such a great fun interesting movie and i'm nick i'm glad you picked it because this is going to be a fun one for us to chat about chat about so with that being said steve let's take it to midnight movie club district nine all right nick so what was it about I know you have a great chemistry story, mm-hmm. but what was it about? Why District 9? Why pick this movie? I think sort of you touched on it a little bit. I just really liked that. I went in. We, we just watched that trailer. Almost all, that whole trailer is not even in the movie. You yeah, know, so yeah. like you went in not really knowing. Is it, it like from I was a so, short film, the trailer? So uh, it originally, something, so right? Blomkeck. This was originally a short film that he had done, and he was he had done he'd come from commercials and short films, and this is one that was Probably highly some regarded. Wood music and, videos and and, <laughs> and Char, 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 How do you say his name? Charlto. Charlto was actually he owned a television production company in um, uh, Johannesburg. Johannesburg. Um, and he was like really successful at it. And Neil was a really young kid that he allowed to come in and use his computers and use his stuff because he was sort of this upcoming, uh, kind of young kid that he was like, Oh, I, I, I took an interest in him. Anyways, years later, he ends up putting Charto in front for this short film, as well as the guy that's like the professor guy that's in the documentary portion. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, commercial work, all this stuff. He's then hired to direct the halo movie. And Peter Jackson's producing it and they like they're building props and they're building all kinds of stuff. And then the funding goes away and the movie goes away. And Peter Jackson goes to Baumkamp and says, look, here's $30 million. Let's make like, what do you want to make? And so him and his wife who wrote the short went back and took ideas and things from it that they really liked. And they turned it into this movie. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just really, I don't even remember any of, sorry. Some 
loud motorcycle just drove by. <laughs> uh, I don't remember any of that trailer. Christopher but... Johnson coming to find yeah, me yeah. <laughs> like, like 13 years later, like way too late. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it took so long. Um, <laughs> District 10. I, I just... I was sold on aliens come and their ship is above a city, you know, like that's, that's enough for me to go see a movie. And then just, it was so much deeper and looked great the way it was presented with like found footage, uh, um, like single camera footage, news footage, security camera footage, like this whole mashup that really, like you said, kind of keeps you like off kiltered the whole time. It was just so, so interesting. And I just, the unexpectedness of, the presentation just made me love it. And it was, that's, that's exciting. You know, when you get, you really find something in art, no matter what kind of art form it is that really unexpectedly uh, like blows your mind like that. It's just such a good feeling. Yeah. I I think that's why we encourage our listeners so much to kind of broaden their palette Mm -hmm. because this is very easily a movie you could dismiss and be like, ah, like if somebody like gave you the, you know, the 50 yard pitch and was like, yeah, it's like this. And it's kind of like an allegory for apartheid. And yeah. And like, I could see like your standard, I watch Marvel DC and mm-hmm. star Wars. And I, and I like real popcorn movies kind of being like, that's a skipper for me. But then, like you said, I think it was either you, Steve or Cisco, you mentioned the Cameron-ness of it. Cause this movie, like, it it's got that 80s cameron i, I it's so funny i didn't even put put that together this movie kind of its most successful thing about it is that you don't expect it to be as fucking incredible as mm-hmm. it is it just hits you with a left hook uh cisco you know nick mentioned like not knowing anything about it were you, when you got into this movie, had you kind of prepared? Did you know what to expect? Or were you literally like, ah, it's just a movie I heard was cool and I'm going to check it out? Had no idea what to expect. Amazing. You know, because like we said, the the trailers don't really prepare you. They give you somewhat of an idea of what the, the sort of like elevator pitch of the movie is going to be. But just exactly like Nick said, you don't really have any clue how deep it is um how good the performances are how good it looks and how like lived in the world feels because obviously i'm not from johannesburg i'm not from south africa but like the way that that all looks and and i was just reading some of the the background stuff like filming it on in those locations specifically was like so integral to establishing that look right mm-hmm. um and uh and it feels so grimy it feels so it just feels real and uh they did such a good job and and uh, you know i just i was marveling at the fact that like 30 million bucks that's all it costs to make this movie and that's that's nothing is i mean like when you're looking at the set pieces that they're doing the the vehicles that they've got going on the weaponry that they've got going on on the top mech, of the special effects, the fucking the mech, mech, the aliens, the amount the of like the amount of also practical with digital. Yes. Yeah. The other all of the, the makeup, all of all of uh Vicus's um makeup makeup That's is huge. so good. Oh, so good. The the other thing to point out too, Cisco, and this is piggybacking off what you're saying, is like it also ain't cheap to move a camera and have special effects. Right? right, like it's cheaper if that camera stays on sticks, 
and it's like we know this frame but when you start doing uh, and you're whipping around and you're doing all this crazy shit and you're like this is this was cutting edge for i feel like the first time i was like i've never seen anything like it and it's been played out to death to this point well, i was gonna Go say ahead. you know Go ahead cisco <laughs> He makes some. He does some really interesting things, uh, cinematography wise, when it comes to like some of the rigs that he's using and some of the angles that he's using. Like he does a lot that of GoPro like, kind of. Yeah, he does that thing where he's facing when the when the military guys that uh, what are the MNU when the MNU guys are mm -hmm. running around and get the the camera on the harness facing them. Right, but he very, frames like, it the way he frames. But the way he frames that shot is unlike how everyone else does that exact right. shot. It, he frames yeah. it with like you see more of their torso and the camera's pulled back a little bit further. Well, he, well, he fish he eyes it. He fish he eyes it, it too. It's wide. He does it from a really low angle, which you don't see. So it's from, yeah. almost from like below him. Yeah. Yeah. Below and looking up at them. And they're just like, you know, it, oh, it's just, I, I was bugging out at that. And I was like, that's a thing that you've seen done a lot since then. And it was pretty popular at that time too. You would see it at the time, but um, he, they do something really interesting with it and they don't overdo it. It's only in a couple of scenes. Um, but yeah, I think even, even like, uh vicus when he's when he's interacting with the aliens and when like especially when the little kid is messing with him like there's a lot of he, he's being affected by him when the little boy like grabs his mouth and pulls it like that happens yeah. he's not acting yeah. right like somebody yeah, yeah. pulls his lip yeah and i'm like you know that takes a lot of guts to be able to pull that off um on that kind of budget you know and they they really made every dollar work i think and I want, I want, right? Because Steve and I talked briefly about this today. Because I, I tried starting this after the baseball game that I went to last night. It's like, I'm going to start this when I get home. I'm going to get like halfway into District Nine, then I'll finish it. And full transparency, I was coming on here to say, I've got bad news. I don't think District Nine holds up. <laughs> because <laughs> okay. I was like, because I was like, this movie looks fucking weird. Like, I, because it's so. District 90, but mm -hmm. also like so many like Call of Duty commercials have tried to like mimic this style. It's become almost like video game marketing material. And I say that with tongue firmly fucking planted in cheek that like <laughs> I was like, this looks like something I would make it like the companies that I make these commercials for. And then the movie kind of keeps going. And you get sucked into the story and the world and you realize, oh, this isn't just like, like found footage porn. There's yeah. a reason for all of this. Mm -hmm. And it starts to really come once he starts breaking away and you get like the traditional cinematography mixed in with whenever you're in Vicus's point of view, it's all kind of scattered and weird and crazy. But then when you're with the aliens, it's a little more like locked off and kind of consistent that to me, I was like, okay. And I text Steve right before we started. I can confirm this movie fucking still rocks. Like, yeah. I still, like, but it, it definitely is. It is a hard movie to adjust to because it's like nothing else. Steve, do you like any of, of Neil's other movies or is District 9 kind of a solo thing for you? So we were talking about this before we hopped on earlier. Um, I really liked this movie and... I think um, 
Oh God, we were talking about earlier the Matt Damon one, Elysium. 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 I was so yeah. I was so excited for that movie that I I walked out of it unsatisfied. Hmm. Like that while while, while I feel like there's some cool shit in it, it looks cool, like all this stuff. It just it it didn't walk out of it satisfied. And then I was really excited at the concept of Chappie, and of course uh, it was a Diane Wood, right? Yeah, like, and that was a ninja whole, and Yolandi, and, and that was a whole thing. And again, I walked out of that one with the same feeling I had with Elysium, where I was like, "Cool idea, looks cool, not satisfied." And so, I think he's fucking super talented. And regardless of whether or not I liked the last two, I'm excited for his next thing. And we were talking about it earlier his his aliens artwork that keeps popping up like mm-hmm. every year for what would have been his aliens movie. Yeah. I mean, he's a great director. I think he's really good, and I'm excited to see the more stuff that he does. But um, I don't know. Man. I, I do think there's a. I think as of a couple of months ago, he said District Ten. He did. Is, he is did. Coming. It's been a long gesting thing for since this movie came out. Where he so he's coming back. Well, he yeah. constantly said like, "We I want to do a sequel, especially if it's if it's you know whatever." Right but then of course, him and Charto got big and busy and. But mm-hmm. he has he tweeted like six months ago that District Ten is uh, starting sort of I don't call it full pre production but yeah mm-hmm. things it's starting to move. Cool. Well, okay, well, let, upcoming projects. So. Let's save that. Let's save that for the end because yeah. like I will say one this ending is so satisfying. Yeah. Because you're like, is he coming back? But like yeah. we'll, we'll save that for the end. Let's talk about like some some standout scenes nick are there any particular scenes from the beginning when we're just in mockumentary land before he starts turning into a prawn what were uh some moments that just really stick out to you i mean his character pre pre prawn is like very i don't know like passive aggressive dick you know like he doesn't you hit it you hit the nail on the head when you said fucking um, Michael Scott. Scott. Michael Scott. Like the <laughs> yeah, whole time yeah. I was watching it, and then once you said Michael Scott, I went, "That's it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah because after, you know, after uh, last year's corporate, my wife was always encouraging me. You know, she said, "No, you did fine. You did fine in the corporate." I was a bit nervous. This little guy. Hello. Sorry. That's nice, eh? Yeah. Nice background with the people just- there. We are here at, uh, must I look? Yeah, just look straight into the lens, bro. We are here at uh, MNU head office, Department of Alien Affairs. My name is Vikas van der Merwe. And behind me, you can see other alien affairs workers. And what we do here at this department is we try to engage with the prawn on behalf of MNU and on behalf of humans. Yeah, yeah like he has... little racist Michael Scott. Yeah, totally. He, and Michael Scott's already racist, but he's like an outwardly aggressive yeah, yeah. racist Michael Scott. But like he's not like manly enough to be like a manly dick about it. It's like very like passive the way he like is an asshole. Um dude, he yells like every like 50% of his lines are like some sort of yell, you know? And like always in the whole from movie. a place of like, why am I not getting respect? Yeah, yeah. Right? Which totally. makes it even more pathetic. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh god. Yeah, yeah, dude. yeah. Like yeah yeah i mean that's pre-prawn and then there's to me like there's a lot of like really kind of funny stuff that actually funny lines that um they kind of probably because they're so quick and also the accent kind of get lost a little bit um 
when he gets home and the lights are off and he's like sick at that point he yeah. says to his wife he says i might have crapped my pants and then the lights yep. go on and it's a surprise <laughs> party that like just really like flies over yeah. <laughs> flies over your head it's so funny Oh, baby. Hi, baby. I need to get to the toilet quickly. What? Why the lights off? Is the power off again? Baby, listen, I might have crapped in my pants. The part that fucking wrecks me every time, like the like uh, the fingernails are gross. Oh god. But yeah. the 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 get gets me is when he's munching down that Johannesburg fast food <laughs> and the black stuff starts to come out of his yeah. nose. Every time I'm like, oh, this is fucking gross. Yeah. Is there a weird when he that exact scene? Oh, we're talking about so much camera stuff in that exact scene. Is there like a weird frame rate or something? It seems like really like sped up how he's he's like moving his head and stuff. It's there's something pretty off about it. I'd have to watch it again. Uh -huh. It's yeah. pretty jump cutty the movie too. I mm -hmm. feel like if I'm not crazy, it's a lot of like, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. like he he kind of doesn't. That camera's kind of wherever the fuck he wants to <laughs> yeah. put it until yeah. he's like in the scenes, like the longer but, scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's physically doing some weird things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Throughout the movie, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as a result of his transformation. So like he's making some really interesting physical choices. Um, you see it really clearly when he's in the mech and he's like so jittery and like mm -hmm. his whole body's like shaking and stuff. Like, you know, that's a really like a perfect example of that but you know he just does some really interesting things and like to to think that that dude wasn't an actor before yeah right to give us that kind of performance is just <laughs> was he nominated incredible. for an oscar i don't think so i think the movie was yeah the movie but i don't was. think he was well it's the movie year they expanded to 10 mm -hmm. he should have been nominated for best actor he should have been i, I don't know that he, i don't know here he shouldn't have won, but he should have like he should have yeah. been nominated for best actor for sure. Uh, what about you, Cisco? Any any uh, early early scenes in this movie that really stick out to you? It's just like every time they come on, you're like, oh, I love this scene. <laughs> I like when uh, when he's giving the tour, right? He's giving the tour of District Nine, the slum. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yes. he's like explaining everything to them, and then he takes them by the Nigerians, which like it's problematic but like he takes them by there and he's just like he, he's like well we're not gonna mess with those guys and yeah, yeah the guy's like staring him down like don't <laughs> come around here and he's just such a wimp you know it's a, it's so funny to see like and then where that ends up going you know in the yes in the future, it ends up paying off is so great yeah but he you know exactly what nick is saying like just how sort of weak and ineffectual he is at that point and and you know i think even his father-in-law even makes reference to it when he's like explaining it to his daughter you know he they do that whole like well you know because he was never very strong and yeah then, yeah you know he becomes the ultimate hero you know mm -hmm. what about you steve any uh, any early scenes that really stick out to you i mean just to piggyback you know the the i crap my pants scene the fingernail <laughs> thing that oh yeah that is so oh. reminiscent of jeff goldblum in the fly it's the exact same scene and that's though that same scene is just i can't handle it yeah, I, I can't. I just I can't handle it. But honestly, this when he finds the 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 little lightsaber full of of the black stuff, uh huh. And it's just sort of like, what the what's this? Like looking around, and then just that sp the spray. The I mean, the spray effect on it is like the perfect spray effect. It just yeah, you know. What I love about that too is that the audience is ahead of him. Yes, mm. we're like 
nope, that's not something you want on your face. And then the moment shit starts to go wrong, you're like, nope, that shit that got on his face. And he's not even like realized like that yeah. shit that got on your fucking face, man. You shouldn't have wiped that. You should have gone right to the fucking but, doctor. But that being said, you know, when you're watching this movie the first time, you have no idea that he's going to end up turning into one of them. No, I just thought he no. was like, oh, he's going to get fucking sick and they're all going to get infected. Right. It wasn't until yeah. the fucking... Mm-hmm. The, the fingernail or it was like the fingernail or maybe it was like maybe it was the claw like when he wakes up and you're like you see his little fucking bug hand and you're like oh shit yeah. he's turning into one of those <laughs> well, it's the, the fingernails are the first thing that happened and then because the, that's in well, the, the vo- office yeah yeah the fingernails is the first really like gross like not where you're like oh something really weird is happening yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, then we see the claw when he's in the hospital for sure. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I well, love a good transformation sequence. Oh yeah, like <laughs> like, like kind of like you know whether it's Teen Wolf or like I just love a good just oh yeah. fuck let's check out what's gonna happen to this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and also like they don't go too crazy. No, mm-hmm. in right. this one, it's like ju- for most of the movie, it's just the little pincher. And like then there's like like later he's like peeling the the but skin see, off and you're like oh yeah no, but see, that's the thing is every time I was watching this movie I went wow this was a like you, you can tell that they did this movie on a budget but they it's we it's crazy how everything looks so good on a thirty million dollar movie like thirty million dollars is a lot of money but for a movie of this caliber it's like wait not, what not like this it's you a know? lot of money listen. There are hundred million dollar movies that look worse than this. Yes, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. And it's special one of those effects things. in like Wonder Woman look shittier than this. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things where it's another case in point, kind of like an earlier film we did a couple weeks ago with Jaws, where some of these problems that they have to figure out and work around, whether it's budgetary or shit not working out on the day, and they have to pivot and figure it out, is ultimately what makes movies especially right. these movies like so good is because they didn't have everything at their disposal and they had to be creative in the way that they figured it out. And I think that's what makes movies like this and jaws special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something happens to good directors when they're challenged and forced to make decisions on the fly. When you make a decision on the fly, you're usually being spontaneous. Well, you're not usually you are being spontaneous and Usually your first gut instinct is probably going to be better than like 45 days in a room, like banging post-it notes against a whiteboard with executives being like, yeah, but could the alien have a, like a little, is there any way that the alien could be into a pop star that we could then put into the movie (laughs) to have a marketing mat? Like it's not that kind of movie. Like, well, this is the, that's the great thing about a movie that's this small is that you can be weird, right? Yes. And that's exactly what you're saying, right? You can, you can n- number one, don't have any stars, don't have any recognizable actors. You can do the whole movie. Half the movie is is having the aliens click. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, Which was just and like, pumpkin pieces tapped together. Oh, wow. It's so crazy, <laughs> you know, having the aliens click and, you know, and again, having the, the South African um, accent, you know, and so all those things really work in the movie's favor. They you do know, a really ha- good job, too, of like whenever it's a close on the alien, the special effects look incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I whenever, think it it's a, whenever it's a wide it's a little like mm-hmm. they're like, all right, we're not going to spend a lot of money on like their body movement. They're going right. to be a little like kind of 
hulky and they kind of lumber around. But when they're like this and mm-hmm. it's like the face is like right here. I'm like all the little fucking, things are moving. I'm like, that and... fucking thing looks real. Like yeah. I, the eyes look so good mm-hmm. on the aliens. Like they, it was almost as if they were like, if you get nothing else right, get the eyes right on these things because you have to care about them. And that brings us to like, in my opinion, when this movie starts to really become an incredible movie, which is he has the claw, he's escaping. And this is kind of where you start to realize what the point of the movie is. It's like, hey, now you're going to become the thing that you hated for the first 45 minutes of this movie. What happens? Like what happens if you wake up tomorrow and you are the thing that you thought you hated? Mm-hmm. Like what Like what are you going to do? You're going to choose to grow and maybe realize you were wrong. And that's, you know, to the, takes Vickis a while to get there, but he does get there. And there's maybe some- it's even, maybe ahead, I, I, I could be wrong, but maybe it's even too strong a word to say that he, he hated them. Right. He just didn't regard them. Right. He in didn't much respect the same way, them. Right. In yeah. much the same way that like, you know, as, as we stated already, that it's an allegory for, for apartheid it's just like you think of these beings as less than you Mm -hmm. right and so that's allows you to treat them like shit and so in in a way he's not really like you know he doesn't like hate them like he doesn't want to destroy them and you can you see that when he's like in the transformation and they're like gonna kill the guy and he's like don't don't put him there i don't nothing he doesn't deserve to die like i'll shoot the pig it's okay like you know, and he doesn't want to do harm to them necessarily, but he also like, put it, the. He says, "I'm not shooting the fucking prawn, man. Like, right, just yeah. fuck, I'm not. Don't make yeah, me yeah. like. Come on, like he's but starting he's to figure s- out what they're doing. I'll shoot, sir. Listen, I'll shoot the fish again for you. I'll pull the trigger, but I'm not shooting that prawn. You hear me? I'm not a fucking god, man. Twenty-one, the human hand. That's good. It worked. Just I'm dying, guys. I want to do it. Everybody standing by. He's like, oh, he's, I, he's I, living in that like willful ignorance of like, it's okay. We can try to kind of treat them. However, they, well, they, me, they don't deserve to be treated like us. Basically. Let me piggyback off that. Just going and Nick and Steve, please feel free to chime in because mm-hmm. like, I think that's one of the real powerful things of the movie was exactly what you're chiming in on Cisco is it's not that he hates them, but he's not doing the things that shows that he's compassionate for them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like it, which is in a way he's enabling the South African government to do these horrible things, which I think this movie is saying like, Hey, that's just as fucking bad. Like just because you're not like shooting a gun at them doesn't mean you're not stopping the people from shooting guns Mm -hmm. at them. And I think that's where this movie starts to really click and pop is when he's realized they're lying about me to everybody. Like I was a part of this system and look, the moment I'm different, they turn on me and it's like, he's, which is fucking hilarious that they tell everybody that he fucks the alien. Yeah. That's yeah. A, like, it's fucking great. And that Photoshop is so pre-internet <laughs> meme, like oh, brilliance. Um, how do we feel about the relationship between Vickis and Christopher? And I forget what his little boy's name is. What's his little I don't son? know. I don't know I if it's fair to say. say. Yeah. Okay. We'll call but, him little, little boy. 
before I mention that, I do really feel, talk about that. I feel like there's something that could be like equated to, you know, like the way the world is today. I mean, this was only 12 years ago, but and a completely different country. But like you're talking about like this idiot who's doing his job and helping, you know, enable, like you said, kind of this like lower tiered social hatred of like humans versus the prawns you know mm -hmm. meanwhile it's not even the south african government it's this i think they said mnu was like the second largest weapons thing uh Manu conglomerate in the world yeah yeah so they're the ones united <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what a name so, for a think about the world now and it's not government like people own the like corporations own the government you know yeah. like like that type of thing so it's like the government wants weapons. That's the that's the ultimate thing is is alien weaponry. So that then bleeds down into uh, like socio political thing of South Africa keeping these two the humans and the prawns apart, and then just on the very street level, humans disliking the prawns for being different. You know, so it's totally. like there's just so many crazy parallels. I feel like where it's there's just like a. There's a line that, and I love like good, efficient writing. And there's a line in this movie in the first like five minutes that is so efficient. It's like a sexy pop song where you're just like, God, that's good. <laughs> and it, she goes, first, they came down and we built the fence. Yeah. Then we built the huts. Then it became a town and very quickly it became a slum. Mm -hmm. And you knew exactly what happened. You're like, okay, they... Brought them all down. They didn't want to feed them. They didn't want to take care of them. They wrapped them in a giant fence. And of course, that's what happened. Yeah. And it's perfect. You're like, right. And it's, it's we, we love Star Wars on this podcast, right? Star Wars is kind of what brought us all together. And what's interesting about this movie is that, and Star Wars has this too, to a degree, but just Star Wars is much more uh, fantastical and mm -hmm. much more epic and grand, but what I love about this movie and good sci-fi like this is that if you peel away the aliens, you're just looking at the human race, mm -hmm. right? When, when you're doing that, that's when a sci-fi movie is successful. Is this a genre that you particularly mess with Cisco? Or are you like a, I know you love sci-fi, but like, is this heady sci-fi one of your go-to genres? Yeah, dude, I love it. Um, I love any of the, the like arrivals or um, what would be another good example of something like this? Sunset con contact in there. Contact, oh, yeah, contact. Is one of my favorite contact. Yeah, contact type movies. Sure. Uh, Moon. Moon is yeah, a good oh, one. Dude, I love Moon. Moon is man. great Moon is with great. Sam Rockwell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know Steve so, likes him some Moon. I know it. <laughs> Moon is amazing. But yeah, 100%. I This is 100% my jam. Um, this one for sure lands more in the sort of like action realm. Totally. Even though it mm -hmm. has all of those things, which is what I think what really helps. Makes this work. one really special. Because you're like, oh, it has that, but also I'm excited. While I'm See, because it. if it didn't have that, being able to... Uh, convey all of these deep uh, ideas would be a little tougher, I think, with this kind of makeup, right? It'd be harder to do like an arrival with no stars in South Africa with, you know, um, that kind of stuff happening. So, you know, arrival works a lot because they've got the big money, they've got the stars and they, they can tell that kind of like deep seated story in that way, in a more interesting way. And people are more 
acceptable or acceptive of it. So um, I think that it, th this movie doesn't isn't as successful without the action parts of it because it's because the action parts are so good. You know, it, it's like it's like a like a candy apple, right? You know, it's it's the sweetness <laughs> on the outside yeah, yeah, yeah. that gets you to eat that apple kind of thing. Steve, as this movie kind of kicks into its second half, as we start to realize that there might be some hope for Vickis, that he might be able to cure himself. I mean, once it starts, this movie is fucking rock and roll. It, it doesn't stop. Like the last 45 to 50 minutes of this movie are nonstop action. For you, Steve, are you do you gravitate more towards the beginning or the Cameron-esque ending? And what it is it what is it about the Cameron-esque ending that really like resonates with you? Well, I think I was enthralled from the start. It just wasn't what I remembered the beginning being. Like I like you, I didn't remember it going to like the 45 minute mark, right? Till the change yeah. up, right? However, I was I was telling Nick beforehand, I popped this on while I was on the treadmill and an hour went by and typically 30 35 minute mark i'm going fuck look at how much calories i did how time yeah, fuck, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and then like every 30 seconds i'm looking till i make it to like 59 and it's like okay cool my hour and i'm out and this was one that like i was like just in it from for that first 45 to the point where i couldn't wait to get the chance to finish it today the thing about it is with with, with the vicus character um you know it's very michael scott like we said but there's this thing that happens where like you're kind of like, oh, okay, I like him. And then you're like, that was kind of a dick thing to do, you know? <laughs> and, it, and it slowly builds that way from his interactions with, you know, his coworker in the, 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 the vest to the way he deals with, you know, the prawns and the tour to then um, where I was like, oh, man, now I don't like him anymore. And, like, how am I going to follow him? And he knock, He tries to knock Christopher Johnson out, right, and do it himself. Well, right. no, that's like the tries. no, that's the second time he does it. There's one that's mm. equally about 15 minutes. Before Is it on the end. tour? Is it on the tour when he like he finds the the one shack with all the eggs in it it's because that's no it's the one where he finds all the computers and shit and is like whoa this motherfucker and like he ends yeah, up yeah. killing his. Maybe I don't know. Anyways, oh, he calls in. He calls it in. He's like, "Can yeah. I get backup? We got." Yeah, yeah he's yeah, like, yeah. "We got a, We got something thing. going on." Yeah, and it's like, "Oh man, this guy's a fucking asshole." And then, um. Then there's the the term where I'm like I'm I'm in it with him, and then he ends up fucking doing that where he ends up clubbing clubbing Christopher, and yeah. he gets in control of the ship. And I'm just like this motherfucker. And then he does he redeems himself again when we come to that climactic end where he ends up getting into that mech suit. And then there's that yep. beautiful moment between him and and Christopher where he's just like, man, just fucking go because. I don't want to have come this far and fought this far. Listen, you go ahead. You can make it. I'm going to just hold him off here, and I'll join you soon. Thank you, boy. And go home. You have to make it. Don't make me go through all of this and not make it. You understand? Go! Go now before I change my mind, man! Go! and it's just it's totally redeeming it's totally satisfying the final fight between him and and the fucking mercenary is super satisfying when he um, catches the and, rpg and, and can we just oh, for yeah. a second for a second like again just like with the spray spraying out this is this movie has the perfect like 
human splat, whether it's yeah, the whole body oh or, or the heads. <laughs> like they just, they splat just Dude. perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Lots of chunks. Well, it's very, it's like, it's not so real that you're like, ah, and it's not so kill Bill that you're like, this is silly. It's like a good blend of like a little chunky, a little bloody. Mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> and also too, by the time humans start getting splattered, you're like, fuck these guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't like it's only these the, guys. It's only the, the military guys that are getting splattered, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the yeah. gangsters. The Dude, when the thing hit, when the thing hits the gangster in the head. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's, it's oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's oh, talk about the weapons. So fucking Hellboy! All <laughs> oh, the how weapons. How many? Dude, how many of these weapons have been ripped off and put into a video game? Oh, they got to. Well, there's like a sound, Island. like air one, right? Like yeah, it's like okay. But like, one, one, but did you guys play Halo? Because I didn't play Halo. I didn't play any of these no. games. No, oh yeah, was isn't that also a thing of that too? Though isn't that from that world? Uh, there was only a couple guns that I clocked that could have been like Halo guns that were like reskinned. The one that really stuck out, and I think I know Cisco played this game. There's a moment where the mech catches all these bullets. Oh, that's oh, a yeah. sick and they, moment. That's straight up Titanfall. Like yeah. Titanfall, but Titanfall came after though. Yes, Titanfall yeah. absolutely fucking took that from this game. Oh yeah, yeah. no fucking question. <laughs> I refuse to hear if those guys are like, nah, man, we came over like, no, you didn't. You watched this <laughs> nine, and you're like, wouldn't yeah. that be cool if you could catch bullets? It's so like every gun is so rad in this movie, and like you also kind of get it. You can get why the government would be like, we fucking need to figure yeah. these out yeah. because if we don't, and these aliens come back and they see what we've been doing to their like brethren, what mm -hmm. do you think they're going to do? Like, well, and, and I could be wrong, but they have no idea what those weapons do. Up yeah, to that that's point true. Because they couldn't get any of them to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're yeah. like, so once oh, they finally get shit. to see what they're doing. They're like, holy fuck. We Did need you guys shit. notice? I'm only getting this, like, uh, this very, uh, in-depth breakdown mode from having thank the maker and watching star wars and like breaking yeah, yeah. down everything but when he's in that mech suit he uses one i think his right arm to pull a pig out of the air yes like yep. and then shoots it and yeah. there's a little bit of moment of comedy the next frame in the background you see the pig like tumbling yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. and he so also great. says i'll shoot a pig Bring back the pig. I'll yeah, shoot yeah. the pig. And then oh, he shoot, the he, he does he literally shoots a pig <laughs> at somebody. Oh yeah. That was really good. Yeah. That was in that final fight. Yep. And yeah, I that. wonder too, that had to be like a little bit of cheeky Blomkamp. camp. Like mm -hmm. we need something funny to happen here. Like yeah. does he need to does it just need to be splat? How, how about he shoots a pig? <laughs> like that, yeah. like that's kind of and, and again, like kind of video gamey, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are movies and for me, this is one of these movies where it's like proof that vi movies based off video games could be good, mm -hmm. right? Because this kind of is a video game movie. This, sure. almost all of Nolan movies, I call them, at least modern Nolan action, I call them Call of Duty movies because it's just like, now I'm on the snow base. Now I'm in the Japanese temple. <laughs> now I'm yeah. in the, like, we're on the, the beaches of Normandy. Like, it just, this movie to me feels so so like a video game that it doesn't surprise me, Steve, that you said this started as Halo in development because I'm thinking about this movie and I can see why people are still wanting the Neil Blomkamp fucking 
Halo movie because you watch this and you go, oh, this guy's would be perfect to make a video game, which in some of these moments feels dated, like some of the like first person angles on the gun mm-hmm. and stuff. You're like, oh, like, yeah, I probably could have done without that. But like Cisco said, he seems to like really finesse it in such a perfect way in this movie. I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't remember Elysium and I don't remember Chappie particularly well. I just know that I did not like them the way I liked District 9. Do you 9. think that that possibly has to do with him just not being like he's South African? You know, like so much of this movie and its freshness relies on the fact that like I haven't seen very many movies set in South Africa. So maybe just his style is like he saw these American or maybe like British movies directors and did his version of it, you know? I I mean, for sure, like this movie is like South African culture is like the 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 nitrous oxide injected mm-hmm. into the fucking into like the engine that makes it like if this movie was just took place in like a dystopian LA, it'd be cool, but it would not yeah, be totally, it wouldn't totally. be the same. You'd be like, all right, cool. Like like Cisco, like like you guys have talking about there's Will Smith. All right, <laughs> we're in the dystopian fucking future. All right. Or here comes uh, Jeremy Renner, and he's got to fight these aliens. Oh, now he's friends with the aliens. There's something like electric about yep. the Falcon African. I, I I just wonder if because Elysium and Chap- Chappie, he feels like he tries to go back to it mm-hmm. a little more because Elysium, he gets away from it. He's like, I'm going to make a really heady because from well, what I'm remembering, it's like an Occupy Wall Street kind of allegory, right? Like, no, I, I don't remember exactly what the allegory was, but I just I likened it to exactly what would happen if you took someone who did something really interesting and then just gave them a big budget and a and a star studded cast and right? said, do whatever kinda, you want. Right. It's kind of like John Woo's Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. here, look. Just but a bunch of money. You're like you, you know what you're doing. You're gonna make this thing really good, and then it ends up falling flat because it's missing the the guy, the what, restrictions, the barriers. And one of the things that I, I was talking offline with the guys was is that both Elysium and Chappie are sort of missing the heart, the like the emotional resonance that District Nine has, yes. and that's why they sort of fall flat. And do, and Chappie, you're 100 right. Is is his sort of like guy Ritchie doing rock and roller right like his sort of like returning back to what worked so well for him in the first in the first place but without somebody as good as charlton right like you're you're relying on ninja yolandi like you know <laughs> it's funny but they're not actors you know yeah. well they, they, it, it wears not. thin after hour 45 you're yeah. like oh the shtick has the shtick has gotten well worn yeah. by that point yeah so um but doing District Ten, I could see being very interesting, you know. And so, like, I think I, I'm, I, I'm hopeful. Well, let's that's talk so, about it. So let's yeah. talk here's, about it. Here's something that I want to correlate to District Ten and, and sort of where Alex started this last segment with sort of the video game and and this proves to me they can do a video game movie. Um, I think, and we talked about it earlier. I think one of the main reasons that this movie also worked so well is because nobody knew a goddamn thing about it. They didn't know who the fucking cast was. They didn't know who the fucking director was. There was no baggage. There was no uh, expectations. There was no anything. And I think that 
if it was a video which game, is the opposite was, of what halo would have been which is exactly, halo would have had 900 exactly. fucking studios stick in their hands and do it exactly and then it's also part of the reason why maybe you know and then all the fan expectations too don't right forget and that. so yeah. and so that leads me now you know with the last two movies that we've talked about that alex and i didn't really care too much about and like cisco you said it's because it's missing sort of it's someone that's been given the keys to the castle and it's missing the spirit of it the soul of it of what this movie had and now that brings me to district 10 I'm going to see it. I'm excited to see it. But now I've got fucking expectations. Yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. like that anymore. And maybe I'm just mm -hmm. an old, I'm, I'm finally accepting of my grumpy old manness. But like part of me is like, you know what? I'm good. Let's leave it alone. Let me see what you do with something else. Uh, I would normally agree. But after this rewatch, I was like, no, I, w I, I would. I was like, man, it would be really cool. Like, what happens if Christopher Johnson comes back? Mm -hmm. Like, does he keep his word? Does he like this guy lost everything to help him save his people? Like, like talk about the ultimate, like you put your faith in me and you, you were all so wrong about us. All, we came back now that doesn't make much of a movie. Well, I was going to say after the first act, where do we want that to go? Yeah. Well, my, my guess is, is that, humanity probably isn't going to take too kindly to like bugs flying in again now with more ships. So my guess would be, I don't think it's us. I don't think it's them that starts the fight. I think they're just like trying to get each other out of here. And maybe like we do what humanity does, which is <laughs> go after them. <laughs> you know, maybe we take it as an act of war. Again, I, I don't know. All I know is, is that what has to happen is, is, Victus and Christopher Johnson, like, will he heal him or will he even want to be healed? Yeah. Right. Is by this, this three point, years later or 12 years later, is it this, real time? Uh, yeah. You know, like by well, this point, will he be like, I relate place, to being a prawn? Cause this originally they land in 82 in a fictional 82. Mm -hmm. Right. And then this yep. technically takes place in 2010. Cause it's 28 years. So yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. They say Which, 28 years has passed. How interesting of a choice is that, too? Yeah. They landed in 82. But I think it lends like itself. Think it, but I think that lends itself to the documentary aspect of it. Yes. Exactly. Because there's then that era like filter or however you would film it on that footage which is awesome which gives it that cameron-esque spielberg-esque but quality. it also gives it a thing where this movie is timeless in a sense mm -hmm. in a sense that like it's funny in, in the sense that like someone that's like turning 18 today could watch that movie and it could be fresh for them mm -hmm. i would be curious to see if this movie is timeless because i will say like i said in my first rewatch i was like Ooh, that this is showing for me a little bit. Like I think the, what you're talking about is the look of it, not yes. the the like the fashion or the technology or any of that yes. kind of stuff. Hundred percent, yeah. yes, Cisco. I'm like, this is different than my Matrix is showing. Like for me, <laughs> Matrix was like, it's a lot of like the bug-eyed sunglasses and the trench coats. Yeah. It feels very. This movie doesn't feel like it's in a time because of the fashion it's specifically the technology and the style of filmmaking is mm -hmm. now it created that whole thing and everything that came after it was just like oh they're just trying to look like district nine right now like the the frenetic 
but yes, this guy, I agree with you. Well, I and think. it was it was doing what was very popular at the time, which is that found footage yes. or documentary style. Um, well, this is the best found footage documentary of all of them, I think. I would take this probably over but I any think, of But them. I think that's because this doesn't lean on it as its gimmick. And it's not like, the whole movie. And it's not it's the not whole, whole movie. But it's no, also yeah. not like the the what's the Gyllenhaal David Ayer uh, Michael Pena one oh, uh, end of watch. watch like that one goes off trying to do that very strictly and then somewhere halfway through the movie just completely gives up on it mm. I liked end of watch I like that movie a lot I feel like, like I like that no. you did not like that movie <laughs> no, I'm no, trying to remember maybe I haven't seen it the only <laughs> air movie I like is fury otherwise it's just way too and again I know Broy, but it is it's too broy for me. It's too oorah, just too testosterone. I don't know. Testosterone is my favorite dish from this little Italian. <laughs> is that where you uh, go and you little, meet up with I Marty? See. You and Marty have a little testosterone and testosterone talk about the future of cinema. That's yeah, spicy. yeah, yeah, spicy yeah. mozzarella on it. Yeah. Uh, Nick, any last thoughts on uh, District Nine before we uh, we call it for the night? I mean, I'm just glad that, you know, when you guys sent that list over, I was like, yeah, these are cool movies. And then I saw District 9 and I'm like, yep, this is, <laughs> it's time to revisit. It's a good choice. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy. I think, you know, you guys know more about filmmaking and all that. And I, eh. I reserve, <laughs> I reserve, I respect your, uh, your guys' opinions above most people, but I, I think it holds up. I think in every aspect it holds up, especially what you guys just talked about, about like the timelessness of it. I mean, again, I think a lot of that has to do with it's not in America. It doesn't have American fashion, you know, that type of stuff. I mean, totally. really, I think helps it uh, remain timeless. And yeah, I'm pumped. And yeah, a little worried about District 10 because <laughs> sequels are tough, <laughs> especially yeah. 12 years uh, between them or but longer you know than what? That. This could be a real T2 situation. Yeah, yeah. Remember term, Terminator. Now that this would could be, be a, the way to go. If you're mm -hmm. gonna do it, the way to go. Fucking Terminator and, to it and make it fucking huge in scale. But I would yeah. say that that's the exception in terms of a director going from working on a mo monetary budget and it being a monetary hit to then coming back ten, the, or, ten years or so later with like the biggest fucking budget and still keeping it rooted and grounded and have the a pitch. soul. What, hit me with the pitch. Cisco. Let me. This is my kind of like just off the top Hitch of my it. head pitch. I got one too. I'm going. Yemen Yu has figured out how to manufacture alien weapons and mm. work them. Perfect with humans. Christopher comes back, and him and Vickis team up to basically stop them from being able to like wreck the world. Cool. I have a, I have a heighten of your pitch, Cisco. But I want to hear Nick's first. I don't have a, a pitch, but what if this is okay. this is the speculatory Star Wars in me? What if Christopher Johnson comes back and he's human? <laughs> oh, <laughs> wild, wild! Flip All right, script. so Cisco, I'll see your pitch because I like your pitch, and it kind of is a little bit of Nick's pitch. But what I think would be cool, let's say it is in real time, so it's like fifteen years later. What if the the prawns that are there have kind of like decided that they're going to fight with humanity. So you get this weird, like they don't really know where they belong because we've kind of like beat their, their worth out of them. 
So they're kind of like fighting with the people that they should be fighting against. So you get this weird kind of like, do you know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. get these like prawns and humans versus like Christopher Johnson returns. He's like, don't you see what they're doing? Like I come with like, like the glory people arrive and they're like, Oh no, this is worse than we ever could have imagined. I yeah. need, I need Vickis. I need to show them that we're the same. And it's like this peace thing where it's like, and he's got a human up or something. But That'd be kind of wild. At this point, is Vickis like it's thirteen years later, and he's given he's like he doesn't have a dog in either fight, and he's like I think he's, he's forgotten. Old, he's old man Luke in it, and he's no, like, he's Fuck fully this. forgotten. He's, I think I'm, his brain, I think his humanity is fully bug at that yeah, point. Yeah, because like I you kind of see it at the end. He's kind of doing the flower, mm -hmm. and maybe what it is is Christopher Johnson's like I have to keep my promise. I have to find this guy. And like all that was really left of him was like, he puts the flower. Maybe by the time that happens, he's like, he's fully prawn. And the only way you could ever know is because of his he's DNA. Different. Yeah. He's mm. different. There's something weird about him. They talk about it in some of the trivia. It's that, um, the Vicus prawn is smaller than all the rest of the prawns because uh -huh. there's just no way for him to actually grow as big as them. Oh, and that's so cool. Even though even though he looks like them, he's physically smaller than them. So that would be the big tell, probably that he just is. It would have been fun if like his eyes had like stayed his eye color or something, like and all the prawns had yellow and he had like blue. Oh, he's probably missing his thumb too, because he cut his off. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he's missing oh, yeah. his what thumb. What was with that part? He's like, he I'm gonna, gonna chop my arm off. off. He, he thought I'll cut this thing off and I'll be But better. he was like gonna cut his arm off and he's like, mm, maybe just my thumb. I think he missed. Yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he like got scared, missed. He's like, oh, this fucking sucks. What am I thinking? <laughs> I would assume yeah. too it grew back like most bugs. Yeah. Like oh, most maybe. bugs, yeah. probably. That shit probably grows back. But guys, this was a great, this was a great movie to revisit. Uh it makes me more excited for the movies we have down the list. Nick, I hope you'll come back this summer and talk about another another summer summer movie with us. If the people want to support you online, you've got a new radio show. I do. Um, I just launched the radio radio show. It's on uh, Spotify exclusively. And that's just because I'm streaming other people's music. It has to be, <laughs> it all has to live on a streaming <laughs> service. Uh, but yeah, thankfully like uh, Anchor about a year ago or so was bought by Spotify. So that's how that all works. So I just launched that. It's something I've done in some sort of uh, fashion for the past 10 years. I, I just... I love finding new music. I love finding deep tracks. I love forcing my uh, taste on everyone else. So when I, whenever I find good new bands, I try to like pass them around. And and I, I just think that stuff matters. Obviously, you know, like the radios, the actual radio is as dead as it could be. Everyone's stuck in their their algorithms and Spotify. So sometimes it's hard to find uh, some new stuff. So I really just like trying to turn people on to, to new tunes. So. That's uh, on Spotify. It's called The Radio Radio Show. And all my other endeavors you can find at Nick Bayside on Twitter or Instagram. Bayside's got a tour in September. That's rad. I have my career back. Very excited about that. <laughs> and uh, and obviously the Star Wars podcast called Thank the Maker. Yeah, I got one. I got one. <laughs> That'll be me at the end of the tour. Where's my coin? <laughs> Where can the people find you at home, Cisco? Cisco Kid seventy seven on Twitter and Instagram. What about you, Stevo? 
Uh, you can find me at Rex Manning on Twitter and look me up on Letterboxd. You can find me at Alex Baggis on Letterboxd where I'm just, every time I'm pooping, I'm just logging movies. With that being <laughs> said, we'll see you next time on BSR. Later. guys i'm here at pixar i'm about to go in uh start working on a collaboration project with pixar just kidding man i don't play that soft little baby shit man that's satan all day that evil satan stuff heavy metal shit man i don't fuck around with a little baby shit